Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of DirectionsUniversity.com, the co-founder of Divisio.com, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches. And we have got another really great show for you guys today. We have my co-host and all-around partner in crime, the Associate Dean of DU and the co-founder in Divisio, Jack Comfrey. Jack, I am working on getting you unmuted. For some reason, I am not logging in properly. So if you can help me get logged in, that would be outstanding. Bear with me, everybody, while I try and get Jack unmuted. Oh, Jack, this is not working for some reason. Well, I know for sure that we have got a fantastic guest for you guys today. But once again, until I can get in, I can't get anybody else unmuted to talk with us. There we go. Hello. I just Hi, got myself thank in. you. Yay. I'm not going to wait on you anymore. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Oh, how are you? Besides technologically challenged <laughs> today. I, I am awesome, Jack. What a week we've had. We've got some huge joint ventures in the works that we're going to be sharing with our listeners over the next couple of months. Cannot wait to bring all of that to Leverage Masters. Awesome. Well, let's not make our guests wait too much longer. Today we have Ellie Savoy, who is the author of the number one international best-selling book, Stop Dieting, Start Living, Five Foundations for Your Health to Permanently Lose Weight Without Dieting, Starvation, or Suffering in Silence. And that sounds awesome to me. (laughs) She's also a board-certified holistic health coach. Everything changed for Ellie in the summer of 2011 when she was diagnosed with uterine fibroids. She refers to it as a gift in disguise. She was given four options. Three involved surgery, and the fourth was to do nothing. The idea of surgery was unappealing, and doing nothing was not an option because she knew change was necessary. So she started a journey of self-healing and ended up stumbling upon the real secret to weight loss. And that is Ellie Savoy. Ellie, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> so that's really uh, quite inspiring. Is there anything that you can add to that story? Um, well, actually, I better back up and start with the very, very beginning. Uh, we ask everybody every single week, what gets you out of bed today? What's your big thing that you're really into right now that you just can't wake up and greet the day for? Well, every day for me, it's about um, doing this work, in inverted commas, (laughs) because it's really not work, Um, spreading my passion for helping others enjoy 
the um, this kind of lifestyle that I've you know grown into now, and it's just such a beautiful thing because on many levels, you know, we're we're all so busy these days. I mean, I notice it so much. It seems like even every week life gets faster, <laughs> and so if we're not mindful and conscious and interested in taking care of ourselves, we're just going to burn out really fast and um, end up with sickness or illness, disease. You know, these things are prevalent today in our society. So I love to really ignite that passion in people that are ready for that change, they are tired of the dieting, don't love the body they live in, and all of that. So it, it's all tied into that, how I take care of myself and how I help others get onto that journey for themselves. It's my favorite awesome. thing. Awesome. <laughs> I was just writing an article that uh, you, you kind of made me remember just now uh, is relevant to what you were just talking about, I think. And it was um, I was trying to get people to understand meditation and, and being mindful and taking care of themselves. And, um, and the Olympics are on. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but that's kind of a big deal right about now. And it made me think, what if people took as good a care, as meticulous and, and, and studious care of their mental and physical health like an Olympian trains for an event? It's so important for an Olympian to be the best that they can possibly be and possibly even be the best in the world that no one questions their resolve. If you even make it to the Olympics, you, you have – I mean, there's so much that can be said without even saying it. You are a champion already. You are all, you know, you come with all of these accolades that don't even have to be said. Uh, and everybody knows that about Olympians. But that's not to belittle anything that Olympians do, but that's just for sport. That's only for sport. And, and yet we walk around in life paying the exact opposite amount of attention and, and being less meticulous than we should about our, our, our uh our lives, our mental health, our physical health, and, and what would life look like if we treated ourselves like it was an Olympic event? Like, oh. you know, the, the floor event would be, you know, happiness, joy, love, and peace. That would be the all-around. <laughs> and we should be trying to get gold medals in that every day, shouldn't we? Oh, I love that, Jack. Oh, we're on the same page. <laughs> Are we? I thought we might be. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Isn't it amazing how, you know, it often takes something else. Um, you know, for me, it was um, a diagnosis in my own body that propelled me and was my catalyst for change. But those that are training so hard to be in the Olympics or any, any sport or any, any event could be a musician training, you know, working hard to, um, to make sure they get enough sleep so that they, they're able to practice and be really present with, with what they're creating. I mean, it goes across so many platforms, and yet we expect ourselves to, to be able to do so much on a daily basis, and we're not fueling ourselves properly uh, in many cases. It's like putting diesel in an unleaded gas car. It's just not going to run properly. So, yes, I mean, I love that. If we were, were looking to give ourselves, um, you know, a, a gold medal every day for, for what we've done to contribute to our own well-being. Gosh, that would be a huge shift in, in, the, in collective consciousness, wouldn't it? It would. I think that my theory is that the world would be a better place, just the, the happier that people can generally get. Like, 
like if there was a big meter on the world right now measuring our happiness to fear and other emotions, lesser emotions, our lizard brain stuff, you know, I don't know what that would look like. I mean, because I hang out with a lot of really positive people, so I don't want to have my little bubble color what's going on out there, but I see other people <laughs> complaining about the way the world is, and, and I do air quotes because, I mean, it depends on who you talk to the way the world is. If you talk to me, the world is in great shape. Really is it's got problems, it's got things, it's got stuff we have to deal with. It'd be boring if it if it didn't. But, you know, we wouldn't have anything to do except eat popcorn or something. But, you know, there's 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 things out there that need to be addressed, but that doesn't mean what some people I think are starting to feel with all of that that drain, you know, and then at the end of the day they don't feel like doing anything for themselves if it even comes up to think about it. But it's like when they t- when the pilot tells you, you know, if the air mask drop from the ceiling, yeah. you know, and you're sitting next to your beloved child, you have to put the mask on yourself first before you're going to be any good at all to the, the passengers around you. And that's what I really believe. I think that, you know, people need to work on that stuff and really treat it extraordinarily seriously because it's, it really is that serious. It is. I mean, I say, you know, act as if your life depends upon it, because it really does. And um, I loved what you said as well, just, you know, just right then about um, this. this, I sort of see it as it's it's an avoidance. You know, if we're constantly focused on what's going on in the world, which, you know, I'm not saying turn a blind eye to everything, but it can become the excuse why we don't um, start with ourselves because there's too much else and we have to be involved with everything else instead of, you know, it starts with us first. And, you know, I notice um, people talking about, oh, it's too hot, oh, it's too cold. You know, when people complain to me about the weather in, in this time of the year here in the northeast of the U.S., um, you know, I'm like, well, it's, it's August. <laughs> it's expected. Yeah. You know, we can't change that, but we can change what we're putting in our mouths, the thoughts that we're thinking. Uh, we can turn off the TV if it's really distressing. We can unplug from technology. We, there's so much we can do. And you're right, you know, when we start to um, d- unplug and detach from all that negativity, we will naturally feel better. And then once we start to eat better and we give our bodies the right fuel, it's like a win-win all the way around. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. But that, that um, putting on your own oxygen mask on first is really the basis of where I start with people. It's a priorities thing. And I refer to that as foundational because if we, if we don't have a solid foundation for anything, nothing will last. And that's why diets don't work because there's no foundation. In many cases, there are some... Um, diets based on philosophy but um but in general you know we've all many of us have tried umpteen diets and uh they work when we're on them and then they don't but this priorities piece and making time for ourselves is crucial to being able to get on a healthy path and really putting ourselves first and going out after that gold medal every day for ourselves i love that well, what about the person who who we all know, and we have all been maybe once or twice in our lives, if we're being honest, who is so is, is in that self-sacrificial mode? Like, people depend on me. My kids depend on me. My husband, my wife depends on me, and I put myself uh, behind all of that because it's noble or it's 
some other stupid cockamamie idea. But it's, it, you know, I, like, I think a lot of people feel like when we have discussions like this, and we do quite a lot on this show uh, with lots of guests, that, that, you know, that's all fine and good, but for me it feels selfish. How do you answer people when they say things like that or let on that that's what they're really thinking? Well, it's, it's kind of ingrained into us, I think. Um, and I find that women um, generally speak a lot more in this way, that they, they feel that they, they have to put everybody and everything else first. But it really goes back to what you said about putting your own oxygen mask on first. It's like we think that, it, you know, we just give and give and give and give, and then we're going to get something in return. But it doesn't work that way. If we're, if we're operating from, you know, an empty tank, we can't keep going. And that was my pattern for many, many years. You know, I would do and do and do, put my hand up for everything. I mean, I'm a, I'm a giver, um, but I, and I, I, you know, done tons of volunteer work over the years. I'm still active in the community, but I don't do it now at the expense of my own health and well-being. But in past years, I think that at some level, um, whether I was conscious or unconscious of it, that I, you know, it's nice to be praised, it's nice to be acknowledged, it's nice to be told you do a good job. But if, we're, if, if we don't have that sense of satisfaction deep within ourselves, we're going to be looking for it outside. We're going to be looking for, oh, I've just done that for my, my spouse or significant other, or I just did this in my community. Um, I don't operate from that place of empty anymore. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I still give and help, but as I said, it's not at the expense of myself. Um, because at the end of the day, somebody will always fill our shoes. They'll always be able to step in and take over at some level. And so um, I, I just think I encourage people to really start to think about this, this um, like as you said, this self-sacrificial mode you know, what, what is the trigger for that? Why do we feel that way? Why do we do that? I know plenty of people that are running around on empty. And um, I, I never used to stop until I was forced to because I was exhausted. That was my pattern for years. And now, um, you know, I notice I'm so much more mindful. So I think that's the key is that w this mindfulness, if we all sort of have this mindfulness, start to pay attention you know, almost I felt like a conversation with ourselves, asking ourselves, well, how do we feel? Can we really take that on? Am I too tired to say yes to that? And if the answer is yes, then say no. But um, I, I love this, uh, this conversation we're having because so many people are experiencing just the points that you're bringing up. Do you think that it's possible? Now, the most people would kind of just go along with this because we've all been going along with it for so long. The idea when somebody says the world has just gotten so much more crazy, life has gotten so much more fill in the blank. Do you think it's possible that life hasn't materially changed that much since the modern age began? And yet what has really changed is what you said earlier. There's just a lot more people running right up to the very edge of empty and looking over. Maybe, maybe life hasn't really changed that much, but, our, but the appearance is that it has because 
everything becomes more accentuated, right? When you're when you're starving because you think you're on the right diet and the diet is to basically torture yourself, you know your mind starts getting really, really weird. It starts having weird ideas. It's basically fritzing out. It's it's blinking on and off. It's not got the nutrition it needs to do like mind stuff, like it's supposed to. Do you think it's the world or do you think it's the way people treat themselves nowadays? Mm. Well, I think it could be a bit of both. I, I think, um, you know, outwardly, things have, have definitely changed in the sense that, um, you know, look at technology, for example. My husband and I were on a, a boat tour just this past weekend, actually, and there were mostly older people on the cruise, um, on the boat, but there was a family um, of four sitting across from us, and they were plugged into their phones the whole time, the parents and the two kids, and there was very little conversation. Mm. They weren't looking out at what was around them. They were just plugged in the whole time. So, you know, chances are it's like that at home too. But I think that uh, people are craving simplicity now i think people want to go back to basics people want to go back to like the old days you know i grew up watching the waltons and um or what was that other one little house on the prairie you know life seems, mm-hmm. it was it was so much simpler you know i'm not saying i want to go back to not having electricity and all of that but um i personally raised you know i was raised in england um with with simple values and simple my parents just seemed to have a lot of simplicity but as i got older i wanted more and that was sort of the trap i got into of wanting more of anything and everything really um but i I enjoy being um, coming back around to knowing that life can be simpler, that we don't have to uh, buy into everything and every new thing. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're such over-consumers, and I think that complicates things for so many people because sometimes people will buy things that they can't afford, so they go into debt, and then that can create stress eating and not sleeping. You know, it's all interwoven, really, um, and, but it all comes down to a choice. Uh, you know, there's so much peer pressure today. I mean, actually, when we were walking around that uh, harbor at the weekend, um, there was a little girl, probably, I'm no good really with age these days, but maybe she was six. I mean, she was very young. And she had an mm-hmm. iPhone in her back pocket of her shorts. You know, it's like kids have these phones today at such young ages, and I, and I just think there's so much pressure. If they don't have one, they might be picked on at school. And so I think it's gone crazy in that regard. But I think that more people are joining um, CSAs, Community Supported Agriculture, or becoming more aware of where the local farms are in their area if they live in you know, that kind of um, an environment. I think people are waking up, and I think people are questioning uh, what, what, what's it all about, really? You know, why keep going at this fast pace and keep buying all this stuff? What's it for at the end of the day? Yeah. It's like we keep running into the same tree, right? It's like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore, so I'm going to go over here and do this new stuff. And then that tree just keeps showing up, and it just keeps showing up and showing up. We run into the same thing, which is us, you know, and we can't get away from us if we go shopping and buy a whole bunch of stuff. For a minute, the 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 us thing, you know, ourself, you're, you're looking at something else. You're looking outward, but it's just – it's worse than sugar because <laughs> yeah. it just it, it it's it lasts so little time 
And so now it's technology and connectivity and the Internet and all of that stuff. But, I mean, it really isn't materially different than anything else. I mean, TV was before that. And TV was going to rot our souls. There were, you know, religious people were speaking out against TV for, for weird reasons. and everybody, I mean, it was going to destroy us, TV. And then music was going to destroy us. When the Beatles came, the Beatles were going to destroy us. You know, and there's always something out there to get us. I suppose, and then, and then it doesn't really happen, and people get back to center. Doesn't it feel like, you know, like you said, I mean, people want to get back to simplicity now, which I think is great, because I've been waiting for them to all join me and come back to that. <laughs> it's been kind of lonely out here in simplicity oh. land, and you know, and uh, so I'm rounding people up, um, <laughs> and I'm collecting hey, I'm people. Your, you I'm feel in... like that too? I'm in your circle, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yes, um, definitely. It, it's a big part of my of my message, actually, because you know the simplicities and priorities. Um, what what else? What good is anything else, really? What good is all this stuff if we're not well enough to enjoy it, or or we're we're up to our neck in debt and worried about paying for it? You know, actually, when my I write about this in my book when when my mum died this that that was in two thousand and eight and it was that was really one of um, my first big wake up call and then my dad died twenty one months later and then I had my own diagnosis in two thousand and eleven and that's what finally woke me up but when my mum died, I went back over to England and was at the funeral home and i I walked in you know it's different over there you, just close family and a very small room. And, uh, gosh, before I knew it, I was in the room and really shocked. And I remember it was so strong in me. I remember thinking and feeling, oh, my gosh, that saying of you can't take it with you when you die is so true. I mean, I knew it was true, but I'd never had somebody like close to me like that die before. So it, it was just all a big shock for me, and it really started me to reevaluate what was really important in my life, you know, because I was always working so much. Um, it was just because it was my rhythm. You know, I'm a fast-paced person, but it was just my, my rhythm was always to try and do more, 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 more. And then when my mother died and none of it was going with her, it just really woke me up. And it made me feel like, oh, my gosh, then what's it all for? Why am I going 100 miles an hour to have more, do more, be yeah. more? And if it's not, if, and what's it for at the end of the day? I'm not saying I don't like, you know, I enjoy my stuff, but it's like, um, I, I, it doesn't, it's not my driver. You know, I don't, I don't do what I do because I want this, that, and the next thing. And it's very freeing to be, to have that level of detachment from the material world. And that, that was really what, uh, you know, it was a very profound moment. And then, you know, as I said, 21 months later, my dad died, and then we had to take care of the house and um, sell, sell everything. So, you know, I think the simpler we live, even on that level, for those that are left when our loved ones die, we're, we're the ones that are left to deal with all the stuff. So the simpler we can live and not have closets full of stuff and attics full of stuff, you know, just simplify and be organized. It's less for the loved ones to do. And thankfully, my parents weren't pack rats. Because there's enough to deal with emotionally when somebody close to us dies, let alone all their stuff. So, right. uh, again, you know, it's all interwoven, as I said. It's like, it's just, um, just, yeah, literally, it's just, I feel it's all interwoven. Whichever way you look at it, you can come back around um, and tie it all in together. 
Yeah. It's very interesting. What uh, what role does um, meditation play in the the advice that you give people, or being alone, or, or or however you you know encourage people to just break off for a minute and and chill out, <laughs> you know? Because I mean, half of the battle is just being mentally fit, right? Or just t- getting a break when you need it um, to be able to make the right decisions. Because right now I'm doing a um, a lifestyle change. It's not a diet. It's It's been uh, about a month and a half, and I'm not really doing any particular kind of dieting <laughs> other Good. than I'm doing a lot of protein and a lot of vegetables and a little bit of fruit, and I'm just kind of playing it. I'm just learning how to live again. On a, I'm really being conscious of what I eat, and um, I am uh, currently, although it's going away, a type 2 diabetic, at least that's what the doctors say. Um, when I had my little fit, I had a wake-up call, and I woke up one day. I had The day before I did something I thought was really healthy, I had a giant fruit smoothie and uh, with spinach, you know, and I figure if it turns green, it's got to be healthy, right? Well, for a type 2 diabetic, not so much. <laughs> Apparently, that was a really bad thing, and I woke up the next day with thrush, um, the sides of my tongue were white, and I just felt like I felt like I would imagine a 70-year-old would feel. I, really horrible, just and and sick of it because I had been feeling like that for a couple of years, and I was on metformin and I was doing all this stuff and I was doing everything the doctor said. And every time the doctor says something to you about it, it makes it seem like the pills they're prescribing can let let you just go on your merry way and live your life. And that's what I did, except that's not true. The pills and all that stuff aren't supposed to do that. And doctors aren't really supposed to make you feel like, hey, everything's going to be cool, dude. Just take this pill. It didn't work. And I felt horrible. And I had just had it. A month and a half ago, I just had it. I was done. And I was scared because I really felt like I was going to die. I really felt like the end was nigh and it was coming soon. <laughs> so Gosh. I just went crazy. I just I just went nuts. I started. I just went and got a whole bunch of chicken and a whole bunch of. I just went for what I knew, and um, and I and I hated carbs. I woke up that day and I hated carbs. I hated them. I've got a much better healthy relationship with them today. But at that moment, I just completely went. And I took my blood sugar down to normal rates in three days, three days. Yay. And my average had been 150, um, you know, as far as I could, t- I mean, basically around 150 was my average. I could never see a number lower than 150 blood sugar. So, and it was for years. I was with metformin and that was with exercise, but my diet was still messed up. I didn't really still at 48 years old, didn't understand carbs. I just didn't understand how to eat. And so I finally started to get really serious about it. And I'm like, I had to call my sister who's diabetic and say, is it okay? Should I take my medicine? Because I'm a 104 right now. And I'm usually right now before bed, much higher than that. (laughs) And would it hurt me? I had to ask somebody if it would hurt me to take the medicine for the first time in two years because my blood sugar was, was on target, was okay. And, you know, so it started a whole new era of me and it's not a diet it's just a new way to live and and I'm just learning so I had very very narrow choices because I was scared of everything if if it was food I was scared to death of it because so many things had bitten me in the butt before that 
Like, uh, this is healthy. No, it's not. That's really not healthy at all. Those giant fruit smoothies in the wrong time of day and, you know, the mixture that I was using and um, pouring in a little orange juice for a little more kick of sweetness, not good. And so now I was scared of everything. And, and since then, the last month and a half seems like a lot longer than that in some ways. But I've I've added to my menu and I feel a lot a little bit better, actually. It's not really a well-rounded menu because I have to get used to cooking. And I haven't lived a simple enough life that I would have the time. I haven't been building in time to do the amount of cutting salad (laughs) that I've been doing over the last month and a half. And I I end up, you know, in situations that I'm still not used to it, going up too late for dinner and having everything get pushed back, family time and everything else, because Dad's cutting his salad up and doing his cooking stuff and prep things that he's not used to doing. So that's my life and not a nutshell at all. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be talking to you about it because I bet you have some really good ideas for me. Well, first of all, I want to say kudos to you for taking control of your own body and not uh, doing, you know, relying on the, what the doctors tell you for the rest of your life. Um, we all know that uh, the pharmaceutical industry in the U.S. is a multi-billion-dollar industry and. The Western approach to um, to health is is not even really about healing the body. It's about patching it. It's about putting a Band-Aid on it. So the pills, you know, I, I, I think Western medicine is phenomenal in certain situations like trauma and, you know, acute situations. But everyday life, it's made its way into, you know, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, um, uh, high blood pressure, just so many things. Thyroid is epidemic at this point. You know, you have to wonder why. We never used to have these, these epidemic, uh, diseases in epidemic proportion. Cancer, you name it, it's all up there. And yet, you know, it often takes this trigger for, for many, but some it still doesn't trigger them to say, hey, this can't go on. I need to change. And so many of the problems today are diet and lifestyle related and they can be healed so you've you've taken the first step and uh, a very big step into reclaiming you know your own health and um, yes you're you're, you're and totally not right to interrupt oh, gee, not to interrupt yes. but the other really biggie is celiac disease I never yes. heard of celiac disease until just a couple of years ago and now yeah. every time you turn around, it seems like somebody else you know has celiac disease. Yeah, I know. It's just every, it's so up the creek here. But, um, you know, as we were talking earlier, I mean, it's, I think if people focus on the positive instead of, like, then they get labeled something. It's like, oh, then they become that. It's like, oh, I, I have celiac disease. I have IBS. I have, you know, fill in the blank. And then it becomes bigger because it becomes them. They embody the energy of that. Instead of looking for the answers and really being a team player with their doctor, not just sitting in the chair and taking the advice that is given. Because I'm very proactive. With um, We have a, a medical doctor, but he's also holistic, so he, he approaches it from the integrative standpoint. But still, he misses things. There's things on our annual blood work that are missed off. And I have to get back to him on it. There were, there were things I wanted extra um, uh, tests done on my thyroid this time, and he missed them off. I mean, it's, it's all good. I don't have any problems in that area. 
But, you know, as we get older, our bodies are changing. As even if, I mean, I'm, I take really good care of myself, but it doesn't mean that some days I don't feel as, as, as great as I do on other days. Um, because, because our bodies are changing and our needs change. And, you know, let's say somebody who was a vegetarian for 20 years, um, who made that decision, you know, as an early, like in their teens, let's say, um, based on an emotional level, um, their body might do very well on animal protein. But I, I don't eat much meat, but I buy it from, you know, it's, it's local. I know where it's come from. These, that, this cow has had a happy life. I have a very small amount of, um, I have like a, a hamburger, beef burger. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like there's so many ways to up-level our choices, um, like we would if we wanted a better seat on the plane or we upgrade our operating systems. And the area of nutrition is so confusing. I mean, in my training to become a holistic health coach, we studied over 100 dietary theories and listened to different teachers and their whole take on one said eat butter, one said don't, one said do this, another one said do that. And it was like, oh, my gosh. But the key thing is that we're all bio-individual. We're all unique. So what works for me might not work for you. But the big thing about the celiac now is the wheat is a big problem here in the U.S. And, um, you know, the, the, the gluten-free now is like the new buzz thing. It's the new packaging. It's the new fashion of food. Oh, everybody just reads the front if they're reading anything. Oh, it's gluten-free. But whatever you're buying, if it's packaged and so many people are eating processed foods, then it's really like take the time to read the packet. You know, what's in it? How many ingredients? Can you pronounce them? Um, uh, what, what's the, you know, I do look at the nutritional content, but I buy, buy very little in packages now. Um, but, but even if it's gluten-free, you have to read the packaging. It's a bit like when soy was the big thing, soy dog, soy formula, soy mm-hmm. everything. And that's a huge endocrine disruptor. And that's a big cause of so many of the problems, like the thyroid issues today. Um, soy. And uh, just soy, everything was soy. Well, soy is one of the, the, the five crops that are subsidized every year by the government, and, and it's cheap to grow. So it's put in as a preservative. You know, soy lettuce in it, for example, that's in tons of products. And so all yeah. these things that are foreign to the body are causing problems, dis-ease in the body, and um, all these problems. So... Back to what you were saying, Jack, about the smoothie, it's like, yes, too much sugar. People think, oh, I'm having fruit. That's healthy. But even fructose, which is naturally occurring in fruit, it's still sugar. So berries, mm-hmm. for example, are one of the lower sugar content foods. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, it can get people coming and going. But berries are one of the most heavily sprayed with pesticides. They're on the dirty dozen list um, that the um, – Environmental Working Group puts that on their website, which is a really good resource, by the way. Um, and so, you know, look for the foods. If somebody can't afford all organic, then just buy the foods that you, the foods, the organic version that you know are the ones most loaded with the pesticides because all that builds up in the body and then the body can't function, it can't detox, it can't flush out. So it's like it can get us coming and going, but we have to start somewhere and if we just feel like it gets to be too big, it's too much to manage, then people give up, you know, apathy sets yeah. in and depression. 
Yeah. So I I uh, I just I have a little thing I call locking it in, and it's worked really well. I quit smoking because of that. Um, I just locked it in one day. I, when I was done, I was really, really done, and I just locked it in. I, today, I am no longer a smoker. And it doesn't mean that any of the following days were easy or that I figured out an easy way to do it. I just, figured, I just made up my mind. And I also just recently locked in the idea that I just don't enjoy bread. I just don't like it. And it's not that I don't enjoy the taste of a nice piece of bread hot out of the oven with some butter on it. That's not true. I, I think that that's fantastic. Sometimes I feel like I dream about it. But what I don't like about it is what it does to me. And so it's my enemy. And but we're, we're fine. I mean, I don't, I don't go beating up little loaves of bread every time I see them or anything. It's not a violent thing, but it's just I ignore it. I just completely ignore it. And I don't care. It's not in my life anymore. And it will never be because of all the, you know, Grain Brain and, uh, and all of those books that came out about all of that stuff. And, you know, um, and I have never felt, I mean, I have felt better. I was 16 once, so I have <laughs> felt better, but I, I haven't felt this good in so many years. And, and most of those years were under a doctor's care. And I, my doctor doesn't know anything about my last month and a half. He's going to be freaking out, mainly because he's going to be looking at my weight and I've already dropped 15 pounds. So, yeah, he's going to be really surprised when he finds out that I'm no longer taking his metformin and I'm totally managing everything on diet and exercise and mm. wait till he hears what I'm eating because my doctor's kind of been ballooning up over the last few years mm. <laughs> and surpassing me in the weight department. So I'm like, hey, man, that just goes to show, you know, like if, if Western medicine got a job and its job was to take care of the West and our health. What do you think their job review would be like, aside from traumas and we figured out ways to put new limbs on people after they've been chopped off and things like that, just what you mentioned before that's good about it, what kind of grade would, would Western medicine still deserve to have its job? Because everybody's really, really willing, willing to defend it at every turn. Well, what are you going to do? Just go back and eat herbs? And people are just now not even being embarrassed about it at all, saying, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take charge. I'm going to do, I mean, you know, I've watched both my parents die of cancer, and I've watched many other people in my family die of all kinds of stuff that, that you know, this miracle of Western medicine still hasn't figured out, and, and all kinds of other things that, that, you know, I think the worshiping at the altar of Western medicine is finally hitting a peak and turning back the other way. And what a wonderful thing, because you start to feel a little lonely there, too, don't you? <laughs> when, when you're the only one in the room, everybody's talking about their health care and everything, and what their doctor said last, and you don't have a heck of a lot to report, because most of what you're excited about are the things you discovered and the things that you changed in your own life that made you well and better. It had nothing to do with the doctor. There's a kind of a lonely place to be in society, at least historically, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know um, my social life is really diminished <laughs> because I don't think people want me around. <laughs> no, it's you know I I say to people, listen, I'm not the food police. I'm concerned with what yeah. I put in my body. If other people want to poison their bodies, that's their choice. I don't really care what somebody's got in their cupboards. They don't have to hide things from me. <laughs> 
it's their choice and the justification that people go through. You know, I mean, I, I know it's just justification because I used to do it too. I'm not pointing the finger. And, and that's, that's why I'm, I'm able to do what I do because I've been there. You know, I know the excuses. I know the game. And I know that we just keep trying one more thing in hopes it will work when we know it won't because we haven't changed. It's an inside job. It's not, it's not, oh, about counting this and counting that and joining this diet program. And, and that's why I wrote my book, really, Stop Dieting, Start Living, because what's the point of being thin and sick or overweight and sick and keep trying to lose weight by just counting something? It's just, it's just so ridiculous. And we, we all, you know, so many of us get caught into that trap, and it is a trap. And, you know, the dieting industry is worth over $60 billion. I mean, I don't, I, always say I don't have a problem with people making a profit, but come on, when it comes to people's bodies and their own vulnerabilities, I, I just think I just hate that preying on people to make a buck. You know, it, it's like give people the, give people the truth. Give, help them set themselves free. That's what I'm right. about for the people. Well, if the fox is in the, in the hen house, don't expect the fox to all of a sudden stand up and moralize that he probably and, and all the other foxes coming behind him shouldn't be in these chickens. <laughs> you know, it's not going to, the fox is never going to be that. So that's, so looking for the answers in that direction, I think people are kind of tired of going, all right, well, the industry, of course, the industry exists, and it is only an industry because of the, they figured out something about human human traits, you know, uh, the way that we are. And we much would rather buy something that's going to, you know, get a membership. It feels good to get a membership because your lizard brain, I think, says we're going to get in shape. And just by buying this membership, that's going to happen. And then, of course, people just stop going to the gym. That's just a rule now. I don't know how gyms even exist except out of that human guilt that people join, you know, and they, uh, and they get locked into contracts and stuff. And, and gyms don't really care if people show up or not. And most of the time they're not showing up. Or we, or we get into a new diet thing. Your lizard brain, I think, says uh, it's a diet. Um, we're, getting, we're getting healthier already just because I've told a couple of people I'm on this diet. And then when it doesn't work because we don't actually change anything about our lives, we're just buying our way out of it like buying a lottery ticket makes you feel good for a second, um, nothing actually changes, and wow, voila, you have a $60 billion industry. Because any yeah. number of the things that are out there could work, but it, you have to bring yourself to the table too, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> Not just absolutely. talk about it all the time? Well, that, it's, it's true. Um, you know, years ago, we've had a farm membership now for, gosh, I think it's 16 years. Um, you know, and I, it, the truth is, over the, over the years, past years, prior to getting on this path, um, because we were eating out about four nights a week, the food would get wasted. And, and I can't stand waste. Mm -hmm. I really can't stand waste. I mean, not all of it got wasted, but we weren't eating it all. And it just really such, it was just not, not something I'm not proud of. But it happened. And I know this to be true of other people that it, it, they they get they join them they get the membership and they go and pick the food up from the farm and then it doesn't all get eaten because they they're still going out eat, to eat and they still want convenience and they're still stopping and getting something on the way home instead of cooking the meal and so 
yeah, these types of things. I mean, this is what the, the second P in my book, because my book is based on those five P's, those five foundations. The, the second one is perception. I'm sorry, pretending. And uh, it, it's like it's about cutting through the, those lies and the self-deception. Because if we don't get honest with ourselves, it's, nothing's going to change. But oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, we like, we like to create these situations where, where, where we make things fit. Right, like you said, we got the gym membership. Oh, good, we can check that off the list. Um, and then we don't, and then people don't go. I mean, I used to say years ago, I wish I could drop my body off at the gym and pick it up on the way home, <laughs> because I didn't want yeah. to go. And, and although you know, I grew up, I was very active in school with sports um, in in all the different teams actually. Uh, but you know, over the years, I just gained more weight, and I just didn't want to do it because. Even five pounds, when you've got an extra five pounds on, you can really feel that. If you were to carry like five pounds, you know, of dumbbells, let's say, or a five pound uh, bag of sugar or something, all day long, it would slow us down. So at my heaviest, I was 30 pounds heavier. You know, it doesn't, it is quite substantial, but it, it's a lot. You know, it, it, it's, that's heavy. If you were carrying that around all yeah. day, separate from the body, like in a backpack, that's a lot of weight. And uh, it's, it's hard to uh, move around as much. You know, we get tired more quickly when we're carrying more weight. So, yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I tell people, don't worry necessarily about a gym membership. If, if We're always trying to, like, fit a square peg in a round hole. If somebody doesn't like to exercise or literally... Sometimes people really don't have the time. If they're leaving the house at 5 a.m. because they have a long commute for work and they're not getting home till 6 or 7, that's a long day. But during the day, they could park their car somewhere so they walk a bit further to the building. Or they could go up and down the stairs. Or they can do some stretches. There's always ways to incorporate. You know, if they're running their errands, like jog a bit in between, you know, running the errands, literally running the errands. Um, there's so many ways we don't have to fall into that all or nothing. Of um, And then again, it sets us up like the mind says, oh, you know, I failed at that. I'm no good at that. I won't do that. And then it's just this is downward mm-hmm. spiral of negative self-talk. Um, instead of just, like, my, I encourage people, it's, it's like not to do it all, not to try to do it all at once. There's a sequence to things. It's like building a house. You know, you can't put the roof on before you've got the foundation in and the walls up. And this is what diets do. It's like it's like putting on the roof because nothing else has been put in place first. And people go on these detoxes and cleanses, and then they're, they're feeling totally miserable when they're on them because they're craving what they want. And it's like putting the roof on. It's too much too soon. When they're invested in taking better care of themselves and, and being more on a healthier path, then the, the, the cleanse is an extension of that, and then it makes sense. And that's, um, that's how it's worked for me, too. I love it when I do my cleanse now, just twice a year for three days. I don't believe in all these lengthy, um, you know, 14 days and, and more. It's, it's, there's, too, there's too many scams out there, too many gimmicks. Too, too much. It's like yeah. what you said about the smoothie, too much sugar. You know, you're type 2 diabetic and thinking you were doing something good for yourself and, and it was too much sugar. So, um, there, you know, sometimes people are led down a path where they think, you know, oh, this sounds great, that looks great, I'll do that and I'll take these pills that are going to speed up my metabolism and take these pills that are going to do this and that. Oh, they're natural. Oh, yes, they're natural. Hmm. 
<laughs> Can you tell I'm getting going? <laughs> because you, I really uh, well, I want to. Absolutely, ahead. passion is is what makes happy people are passionate people, <laughs> and passion and happiness make successful people. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to switch gears a little bit uh, for the end of the show here and talk a little bit about your success and any kind of leverage tips we might be able to pick up from how you have come to where you are today with, um, I see your site is beautiful. I see also something very interesting about your site, elliesavoid.com. If you guys go there and click on, I believe the tab is media, um, I think you're going to find that Ellie is a very good leveragist. <laughs> and she's doing right now what I think you're doing a lot is going and getting in front of other people's carefully curated and, and uh, 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 put together audiences. Is this? Uh, we're not the first radio show you've been on. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, yes, I have been interviewed quite a bit. Um, sometimes not, you know, always recorded because it's it's sort of in person or you know I'm speaking somewhere. But um, mm. yes, I, I just you know in the beginning, like anything, uh, I used to be a bit nervous and think, oh, what if I say the wrong thing or what if I don't know the answer to something. And, and, and then, to me, this is just like we're sitting in the same room having a cup of tea together, and we're just having really good conversation. And so this is why I love to do it, because, you know, none of us are really dissimilar. We all have the same kind of challenges, maybe in our own unique ways. Um, but it brings us together. You know, the world is a much smaller place today. And so I'm just always myself. And I think... Um, this is why you know, I encourage people that are looking to um, be interviewed and spread their, spread their message is to really just be yourself. You know, somebody said, I forget who said this now, be yourself, everyone else is taken. But, um, <laughs> you know, my message is my story. It's nobody else's story. It's, it's me living my life. It's me living from a place of um, really self-love and self-care. And somebody said to me recently, Oh, you're so disciplined. I find that so interesting because it couldn't be further from the truth. There's no discipline involved. I'm not disciplined to brush my teeth or get dressed in the morning. You know, it's just something I do naturally. So I, I just, I'm myself. What you see is what you get. Um, I don't try to um, do anything fancy or try to wrap everything up in, you know, fancy paper. It's just what you see is what you get. And I think when we're ourselves, people connect with that. And so if we stumble on our words or if we don't know the answer to something, I mean, I was in real estate for years, some years back, and, um, you know, I had a very good reputation and I was busy. And if somebody asked me, I was very knowledgeable, but if somebody asked me a question and I didn't know the answer, I would say, you know, I'm not quite sure about that. Let me get back to you. And within hours, you know, I would be back with the answer. And I think people appreciate that level of honesty, especially today where we, you know, we're dealing with a lot of this, go back to our beginning of the show, with this negativity, you know, and I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really buy into that. So I just think the more we can be ourselves, the more we can shine our own lights and, and be that, that um, you know, that bridge for people who want what we each individually have. Because if I wasn't living this, if this was just sort of like textbook inside me good, no, I could make a lot of money doing this, it wouldn't last and it wouldn't make me happy anyway. 
So just being ourselves and living our truth and extending that to other people. And those that um, resonate with us will want to learn more, will want to, uh, will want to find out more. So, um, well, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that in Leverage Black Book, we talk about um, how, you're, how you decide to share your message. Um, some people... Well, lots of people, unfortunately, think that uh, that if it's to be, it's up to me. And one of the most destructive human uh, sayings since the beginning of time, in my opinion, because, you know, people work in isolation. And they, if they want to be as big as you, and they're in your niche, and they have a book, and they have some ideas about, uh, you know, diet and, 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 and health and things like that, they look at you and they admire what you have. But apparently... You have been on lots and lots of shows, not apparently for real, and you are enjoying lots of success. Compared to somebody who's just starting out, you're a god among them because they feel like they have so far to go. And they grew up with the programming that if it's to be, it's up to me, and hard work is a religion. And, and, the, and the only way that this is really going to be worth it is if you work as hard as Ellie apparently has. And I say apparently because... You seem to be one of those folks that has figured out, probably from the beginning, that there's no better audience than somebody else's audience, meaning that it's really hard to put together an audience of your own from scratch without going out and appearing in front of and on other people's stages where people are already wrapped with attention. And you seem to have figured that out. What was it that, I mean, did somebody come and whisper in your ear, hey, there's a better way, or uh, did you just figure it out? Did it just come naturally to you? Because it does for lots of people. Well, I have to say, uh, in the beginning, it wasn't quite like this. Um, I had, well, I never thought of it as a uh, shiny, bright ob object syndrome, thinking that this course and that course was going to be uh, the best thing since sliced bread. Um, I have learned a lot over the years and it, it's all sort of coming full circle now that all these pieces of speaking and um, doing videos, coach training and da da da, it's all, it's all coming together but um, the more comfortable and I'm not a shy person as you can tell but the more confidence I, I uh, gained from um, you know getting more into my stride and not listening so much to the outside noise then it just sort of started to happen, um, and more so since I've written my book, actually, because now, you know, that's given me a bigger platform. So I, to me, I, I really don't, I'm not looking to hog all this. I'm not looking to, um, you know, be, the, be the, the, oh, I don't know how to put it really, but just, like, it, it takes a village, you know, and the more that we can mm -hmm. support one another, um, I, I think that's a wonderful thing, and I think you know having a book is is certainly um, done wonders for me, and uh, it just it, it gives you more credibility. You know, you have something then to really talk about as well. Um, but now that I I've got the book, it just you know people are finding me, and, and the book has been out for over a year now. Um, just, you know, lots of things are happening. Um, people are contacting me, whereas in the beginning I was looking for the interviews. Um, so, yeah, it, and, join, and joining different groups, you know, different groups on Facebook and things like that, um, and just being connected. 
I, I really do enjoy the interviews. They go by so quickly. I know we're coming to the end of the show. I'm like, oh, I could talk for hours. <laughs> Oh, well, I could about all of this stuff. I certainly could, but I think our listeners we're 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 stretching the boundaries of their uh, attention at an hour. So yes, I'll let them. Tough. We should let them go to the bathroom and things like that. Don't you think we should be nice and? and I uh, I do. Yes, absolutely. All right. But so where can people fa- fall into your sphere of influence? Where do you want people to go? Well, my website, as you said, is elliesavoy.com, uh, my name, E-L-L-I-E-S-A-V-O-Y. Uh, there's actually a, uh, if somebody wants to get a free copy of my book, um, they can uh, sign up there for it. It's the PDF version, uh, but it's the whole book. Wow. It's not just a chapter or two. It's the whole book. Um, so they're welcome to wow. do that. Yep. Cool. And they can poke around there and see what else is there. Um, you know, all my social media buttons are on my website, so I won't go into all of those. Um, you know, people are welcome to follow me or uh, reach out, ask me a question. Um, I'm here to help. Awesome. Well, thank you well, so, thank much, you so much, guys. Ellie. This was an awesome show. Oh, I loved it. Thank you so very much. And we will be back same time, same place for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a great week, everybody.